Check this out. This is the Riff and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Talking about now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. This is the Riff and Read. It's another Rip and Read, Tuesdays and Thursdays, at least twice a week. It generally features my wife Nancy, who does the deep dive on the stories of the day as an e-attorney. So it's not just the headlines. We really go to the core of what these stories hold into effect for us here and now and in the future. And this story that Nancy has brought to the forefront is Orwellian. It's 1984. And it involves our government agencies starting with Kathy Hochul, who announced that as Big Brother, Big Sister, she's going to protect us from ourselves. Listen to this woman who wants to get into your social networking and then possibly send you to a re-education camp. Also, we're very focused on the data we're collecting from surveillance efforts. What's being said on social media platforms? And we have launched an effort to be able to counter some of the negativity and reach out to people when we see hate speech being spoken about on, on online platforms. What she mean by that, Nancy? Reach out to people. Well, the, the details of, of how she would be reaching out are, are not yet clear, but it, it sounds a bit intrusive already. It sounds to me like, hey, we don't like the way you're communicating. We may assign you to a re-education camp. Well, I mean, and, and let's face it, some of these platforms, right, they have their own standards about, you know, like acceptability, what you can post on there. But this obviously creates the possibility that now you have the government reaching out to these platforms to say, well, when you're, you know, when you're uh, in New York, when you're sort of having people who are there, like this is what we find acceptable and maybe, you know, trying to restrict what they have. So she goes beyond <clears throat> just social networking. Them, they're monitoring media also. Our media analysis our social media analysis unit has ramped up its monitoring of sites to catch incitement to violence, direct threats to others. And all this is in response to our desire, our strong commitment to ensure that not only do New Yorkers be safe, but they also feel safe. We didn't put that music behind her. <laughs> That was done by her office, that ominous-sounding music. Uh, wrong way, Lou Rufino, I need to hear that cut again. So they're monitoring not only just social media, the media. Our media analysis, our social media analysis unit, has ramped up its monitoring of sites to catch incitement to violence, direct threats to others. And all this is in response to our desire our strong commitment to ensure that not only do New Yorkers be safe, but they also feel safe. It's incredible. This is right out of Orwell, 1984. 
she's going to be our big mommy. She's going to take care of us because we we don't know how to handle free speech. Yeah, but and also this is sort of um a bit curious because it stands in distinction <clears throat> with what she was signing last year regarding employers and restricting their access to looking at potential employees or employees' social media. So right, so again, it's it's all about who controls the narrative, who controls what we consider acceptable discussion. Big media, right? Big government is going to monitor what you post and what you communicate. And we're going to trust Kathy Hochul, who has obviously a biased agenda, like any politician would have, Republican or Democrat. Yeah, and then you don't even know who's making these decisions. So where is the you know overall community standard, as it were, which is why you really want to have as much uh, free speech, as much open discussion as possible, right? If, if people don't like what they're hearing, they can turn it off. Uh, you know, you're not really forcing it on anyone, but to to take something out of the arena of even hearing it in the first instance, because you've set up this social media unit that's operating in some back room and no one knows what their standards are. It's dark ops. It's black yeah. ops. Uh, yeah. Nancy, you need to do a d- deep dive on this. What is the agency doing this mm-hmm. and what's the budget for it? to be spying on our social networking. That's number one. Number two, hand in hand, since they're like uh, two peas in a pot, a soup and a sandwich, a horse and a carriage. Uh, Eric Adams, through the NYPD, is trying to encrypt all radio communication at the precinct level so that the citizens' WhatsApp to find out what crimes are going on in your neighborhood would cease to exist, and reporters would not be able to monitor what's going on in the city. Because they're suddenly claiming, oh, well, criminals are listening to police radio communication. Well, wait, I thought crime is down, according to their stats, right? Why would they be doing this now? Yeah, I mean, and again, in terms of you you request that people are the eyes and ears when, you know, they're on the subway. So, I mean, you're really eliciting people in general to reach out and be proactive. I mean, this is just a monitoring site. That's it. So... This way, people are aware of what's going on, and potentially, it's a, it's a helpful thing overall. So to to restrict that, and again, there's no logic to it. There there is no rationale. It's available information that you're restricting for no known reason. This could be helpful if people are hearing this. Of course, and it's already available, and now you're going to take it away because you don't want us to know what our government is not doing. And you just want us to believe your propaganda. Like when you say crime is down, well, we say, no, arrests are down. That's why crime is down. We see plenty of crime taking place. But you can use the Citizens app to clarify, say, look, look at all these crimes that have committed in our neighborhood. Well, this, I mean, this started out the box with Eric Adams when he got into office, like within the first month and a half where he started off with, well, the people who are creating, who are writing the stories about my narrative. They don't look like me. They don't understand. So, you know, laying the groundwork for explaining why he needs to be the sole interpreter of what he wants to tell you. And that's brought us to the past couple months where now he's only restricted to having one, um, you know, sort of open uh, presser because he is so concerned about controlling the narrative and he doesn't want any misinformation. If I talk too much, you might misunderstand what I'm saying. So let's only do it once a week. So, again, this is all about just making sure that whatever I say, if I said it wrong the last time, people are going to correct me. (laughs) So I update my message so I can tell you the next time. And, again, like to your point, it's not that it accords with reality. It's that we just want to get the messaging right. And the last one, even more disturbing, because it's a bipartisan effort in in Washington, 
both Republicans and Democrats want to restrict individuals from doing parodies and satire of elected officials, which is what I live on. I constantly, it's like Andrew evilized Cuomo. Andrew evilized Cuomo, right? And I say, hey, Andrew, ascendeme, tu siu provienos fachim, and like your father you are. And I do satire all the time. I do parodies all the time, as do many in radio and TV and in writing do. What are they trying to do now? Yeah, so this is um, a bill that's being sponsored, which is no AI fraud, um, no fake replicas, unauthorized duplicators. So what they're doing is, to your point about satire, so um, any uh, politicians, anyone in the public eye, normally, uh, you know, they have free reign that you can speak about them because they've made themselves a public person. But this is saying that, well, every individual has a property right in their own likeness. So what they don't um, now authorize doing, and again, think about how savvy, um, you know, the computers are, social media is, instead of just saying something about an elected official, you know, you could have them in the backdrop, you could have, um, you know, mouthing their words. That's what they're trying to do. Anything that's considered satirical. So, in, you know, in an effort to quote unquote protect the, the public and to also protect these individuals' right to, you know, protect their own image, they're going to cut out things such as satire. So, for instance, imagine like a true crime story. You relaying those facts. That's, you know, you're replicating someone's likeness. Things of that nature you can't do. So now this is how far reaching it can be. Anyone who's interested in satire should be highly disturbed by this. This is this is both parties. This is Democrats and Republicans. They can't even get together on the border issue. They can't even get together on major issues. But they're all in tandem on this. How dare we make fun of elected officials? How dare you? Don't you realize we're like the royal family? We are not permitted to make fun of the royal family in uh, the UK, or you could actually go to jail. And yeah, and, and that's how they're making it federal as well, because they they have the interstate commerce clause. Because think about it, social media; it's, it, it goes across all platforms. Well, let me tell all of those elected officials out there, Democrats and Republicans, I am going to continue to satirize. <laughs> I am going to continue to do parodies. You can lock me up. You can kiss my left tuckus, my right tuckus, and my big butt. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Curtis doesn't know about you, but he rips and reads. This is the Rip and Read. Back to back, belly to belly, two days in a row. Nancy, 
Ashley will join me, our e-attorney, participant in Rip and Read, and so many other programs that we do here at WABC, and one of the members of the Curtis Sliwa Boot Camp of Talk Radio hosts and hostesses. And yesterday we talked about with the frigid weather, the Arctic weather out there, and we're expecting more snow, that the homeless and the emotionally disturbed have burrowed into the massive subway system of New York City and have taken refuge. And they are everywhere. They are on the platforms. They are in the moving subway cars. They are in every nook, nook, cranny, and corner of this vast subway system. So what we did is, since I'm in the subways uh, every morning for many, 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 many mornings before I come and do uh, the hit with Sid Rosenberg at 7.05 Monday through Fridays, and Nancy, you're there in the morning, and we put together a pictorial with a video that any of you can go to to look at the litany of these homeless and emotionally disturbed persons. These are Americans, just like you and me, some of them veterans, mostly African-Americans, strewn about as if they were human refuse in this system. And then we put it on the video that we took uh, a day before, and it's had millions of hits. You can go to my Facebook, my Twitter account, my Instagram. You can go to the TikTok and just see all the people that are reacting in horror as to how our mayor has, in in essence, championed the migrants over the needs of our own homeless people and emotionally disturbed persons who are burrowed into the subways during this Arctic freeze. Frigid cold upstairs, and our homeless, American homeless, including veterans, most of them African Americans, are seeking to be safe, and warm in the subways. Meantime, the city is more interested in the migrants' welfare, putting them up in hotels, not our own homeless. And there is a group, BRC, Bowery Residence Committee, who makes millions of dollars to send people in who get paid to bring the homeless people out and help them. I don't see them anywhere. Why aren't we helping our own homeless, Eric Adam, our own emotionally disturbed who are living in the subways? Shame on you. Shame on you. And you can hear the subway in the background. Our videos are not in studios. They're not setups. They're where the people are. And you can see in the background you have the regular passengers and then you have the homeless, the destitute, the emotionally disturbed. Ladies and gentlemen, these are Americans like you and me, some of them in a very difficult situation, some of them emotionally lost some of them who served this country in war and peace, and they've been cast to the sidelines, the subways, while the mayor takes care of the migrants. So in response to these millions of hits criticizing the mayor, what did he do last night, Nancy? Um, Well, he went outside, and he has a video that he took. It's like right up, close up of his face, and he's, I guess he's feeding homeless. I mean, you don't actually see it. He says it. Um, Yeah, so... He's doing his part for the city. Yeah, he's doing, but he's not going in the subways. No. And I am uh, the mayor in exile, like Napoleon on the island of Elba. Uh, he is providing no service to our homeless, uh, our veterans, and our emotionally disturbed that are burrowed in the subway. But he is providing millions of dollars to this organization 
that becomes more and more problematic in that I'm in the subways all the time with the guardian angels. Nancy, you're in the subways. We never see these people being paid millions of dollars, supposedly to care for the homeless and the emotionally disturbed, to guide them out, get them help in a hospital setting or in a regular brick-and-mortar shelter. Could you give us the name of this organization again and tell us the history? You will be appalled when you hear this, the corruption, the kickbacks, the uh, the fact that the guy in charge is an untouchable should make you all want to storm City Hall and demand. Why are you giving millions to an organization that is almost non-existent? Yeah, so this is the Bowery Residence Committee, uh, BRC. So this is a nonprofit provider of homeless housing and services. They've been uh, getting city contracts to house homeless for over a decade, well over a decade. And every report that's come back from them now, you know, they, they've had uh, some of these, uh, Thomas DiNapoli in 2020 finally did a report. Now this is about seven years after they're already like into their contract. So this is the state controller, Tom DiNapoli, who's still the controller. The report savaged them. I mean, criticized them from top to bottom. Yeah, and 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 basically, it, it's reviewing what it was that the contract was supposed to provide, what it was supposed to do, and how it matched up to the deliverables. And the biggest deliverables they had was the the obvious thing. It's because their outreach and placement it was to lessen the amount of homeless people living on the subway, and then concurrently to show you know where they had gone to, like what shelter they had gone to, what type of assistance they had received. Well, now it is so figured now seven years later because they've renewed it every three years. In spite of having these horrible results, they've renewed the contract. Oh, I see. So they get F+. Plus. Uh, they don't even get a passing grade. Tom DiNapoli, the state controller, just says you shouldn't be spending money with them. And so the city of New York, first with de Blasio and now with Eric Adams, not only continues their funding but increases their funding? Yeah, so they initially were getting, when they first started around 2013, they were getting around 40 um, million dollars for the three-year contract that went up to 68 i mean we're at 103 million so far for so, what, what, what 100 so they three times the amount yeah three times the amount and in spite of like i said their single biggest deliverable was to show that they reduced the homeless population so there was um you know at the time that they started the contract 1841 homeless people so they're supposed to reduce that well reviewing the contract a few years ahead, there's more homeless people living on the train, yet they continue to get this contract. And they're never seen. These are people that are easily identifiable. This BRC group, they wear orange jackets. It says Bowery Residence Committee. I never see them. I'm down in the subway all the time. Our guardian angel's in the subway. Nancy, you're in the subway. We never see well, these as, people. Well, as we were talking about yesterday, so... They're receiving roughly uh, $35 million as per this new contract, just specifically for subway MTA outreach, and yet they only have 100 outreach workers employed. So think about that. Over $30 million, only 100 people are boots on the ground, and they still are lacking the oversight. (laughs) So they get $30 million million to the MTA, money-taking agency to go out and help the homeless and emotionally disturbed who are riding on the subways, who are living in the subways. 
and to take them above ground to get them either help in a hospital or, or, or bring them to a shelter. Correct. If we were to divide 100 into 30 million, where the hell is the rest of that money going? Yeah, and actually, and it's closer to 35, right? So what, what they have consistently decreased in numbers is their amount of employees who are doing outreach. <laughs> so their budget's going up, their outreach personnel is going down. And, you know, and again, when you look at just some of these basic elements of this review that was done by the comptroller, the level of shortfall of oversight is ridiculous. And this is what happens when you have not really a city agency. You have these quasi-city agencies, these nonprofits that are supposed to do the job. Well, we can we can provide the services better. No, but you do it without oversight. And by the time you get around to reviewing it, you're dealing with an inefficient company. So, so who's the guy who started this? Who's the guy who's still the grand poobah and untouchable that it seems nobody can question? I have referred to him as the Meyer Lansky, the Hyman Roth, the Shelley Silver of nonprofits because all he does is he rips off the taxpayers and provides no services through the BRC. Um, let's see, Muzzy Rosenblatt. Muzzy, or I call Muggsy Rosenblatt. Now, what's interesting with him is his history. He started off, now this is back in 1993. New York City created the first um, department exclusively related to homelessness, so the Department of Homeless Services. Um, and then in response to that, so the first... So that was David Dinkins. <clears throat> yeah, under David Dinkins. And then Muzzy Rosenblatt was the agency's first chief of staff, and was pivotal in in convincing David Dinkins that homeless shelters could be run more efficiently if it was in a separate department. So, again, this is where Department of Homeless Services came from. So, basically, I'll start a nonprofit, the Brownsville <laughs> uh, uh, BRC, and you'll fund us. You'll give us all the money that you normally spent through the Department of Homeless Services. Well, that that's clearly what he wound up doing because then when he left public service – he starts, and now he's become one of the, the single biggest provider of homeless services. And again, this uh, with having just such a dreadful record, but he's the one who actually started this. So now you see why it becomes so effective to have this uh, separation from the government. So now it's the Department of Homeless Services that's supposed to oversee the contracts. And when I'm, you know, when you're looking at the Dinopoly review, they weren't even aware of the fact that they were supposed to be overseeing <laughs> these. These, uh, this work. They they were just relying on them, telling them, oh, we're doing a good job, and so that's it. This guy, yeah. uh, Muzzy, what's his name again? Muggsy. Rose, Rosenblatt. He sounds like a thug. <laughs> uh, is in charge. He's an untouchable. Tom DiNapoli, the controller of the state, just wrote a, a scathing report, and they continue to give him money. Now, we have a city controller, the socialist Brad Lander whose wife actually is a lobbyist for nonprofits. You think that's a conflict of interest? So why isn't it that Brad Lander is doing an audit on the millions that go to, what's his name again, Muggsy? Uh, Ro- Rosenblatt. And actually what's interesting is that that element of him overseeing the homeless living on the MTA, that's just like the tip of the iceberg with what he's getting because he's getting close to $700 million in homeless services money. So this this guy is a big player in providing services to homeless people with having zero record of any success. And he's older than Joe Biden. And, he, and he's been constantly getting these contracts which aren't reviewed. And when they are reviewed, they keep um, showing up to have – they're not uh, – you know, he's not – um, showing up Nancy, to- 
As I always say, you say contract, I say kickbacks. Oh, and he continues to get the contract, hey, and they keep going up. Hey, Muzzy, we know you're listening, Rosenblatt. We know you're listening because we talked about you yesterday. We're coming for you. We're coming for We're you. coming for you. Where did you put the money, the millions, and who are you kicking back to? And Brad Lander, your wife, is a lobbyist for nonprofits. You're supposed to be the city controller auditing these outrageous expenditures in which we never see these people who are paid to be on the subways to take care of the homeless and emotionally and, disturbed. And, and that's where you see all the, the um, this rush. to We have to pay the nonprofits. They're providing services. Well, that's the reason why they're incentivized to pay the nonprofits. Well, guess <laughs> what? Brad Lander, socialists, we're coming for you. We're coming for your wife, the lobbyist. And we're coming for BRC. What does that represent again? Bowery Residence Committee. Bowery Residence Committee. That's not the Bowery um, shelter system. No, no. That's not the Bowery mission. No. And we're coming after you, Muzzy, Muggsy, Rosenblatt. You're finally, your day is finally coming. And we want all the money back that you've been kicking back and that you've been banking because it hasn't gone to help the emotionally disturbed and the homeless people in the subways of the MTA money-taking agency. Check this out. It's the Riff and Read, featuring Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking about this is the Riff and Read, featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. God bless America, the Virgin by Kate Smith. By the way, she sold more war bonds during the Second World War than any other performer alive. And this song was chosen by George Steinbrenner Sr. to be played during the seventh inning stretch of Yankee games uh, for in perpetuity uh, in the aftermath of the attack of 9-11. And then it was uh, Randy Levine, the president, former deputy mayor for uh, Mike Kumbaricic, Rudy Giuliani, who pulled the plug on this and to this day has never, ever given an explanation as to how you could justify that. But let's uh, fade out here and let's get into what happened last night. In these very studios, Congressman Peter King was part of the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion, as he often is with John Katzmatidis and Rita Cosby. He said he was heading over to Whitestone, the American Legion Hall, to join Councilwoman Vicki Palladino and the Whitestone Republican Club, huge club, biggest in the state of New York, without, without a doubt, the most active, the most pumped up, the most patriotic. And they have their monthly meetings in the American Legion Hall there. I've spoken there many times. And the head legionnaire, who's the head of the post, the last time I was there, Nancy gave a speech about the American Legion, the tradition, all that it's meant. And people were crying in the audience. It was that passionate because the American Legion posts are fading away. Different generations are no longer joining the American Legion. But it is an institution that was there in wartime, peacetime, the men who uh, were sacrificed in battle, injured, who came back, 
the auxiliary, which comprised of the women of the American Legion and the Gold Star Mothers, those who lost their sons uh, in uh, battle. And they would come into the schools, and when I was going to public school in the auditorium, they would offer a $100 U.S. savings bond uh, for the best composition, what it means to be an American. And they would regale us in stories of how they had gone to the same school and the teachers they had had and how they knew that at some point uh, it might be incumbent upon them to serve America. It was really great. And they don't do that uh, often any longer. So I was amazed yesterday. We have one race in America that everyone is focused on, February 13th, to replace uh, George Santos, who was removed by the House. And we now have a special election between the former Congressman Democrat Tom Swazi and the Republican Mazzi, Mazzi, whose story is now coming to the forefront, rescued from Ethiopia, a Jew brought to Israel, joined the IDF, served, went to Haifa University, met her husband there, who was from the Ukraine, came to Great Neck, has raised a family, has served her community, and has seven children. So she was there to speak to the Republicans of the Whitestone uh, Vicky Palladino Club, because Whitestone is part of that third congressional district, which includes North Shore of Suffolk, North Shore of Nassau, and Whitestone. And the supporters of Hamas came in, and they were in the crowd. And so Vicky spoke, and then Peter King spoke. They didn't interfere. But then Mozzie, the candidate who people want to hear, spoke, and they immediately interrupted uh, and charged the stage because remember, she was a member of the Israeli Defense Forces. It makes me very, very upset. How dare! This is a political meeting. People have a right to hear candidates. Nobody has interfered with Swazi. He even opened up a headquarters in Great Neck, right in Mazi's backyard. No problems. This is what we have. So on three levels now, Swazi has pissed me off to no end. A, he's for congestion pricing, which is a death knell for the city and for his, his constituents. Number two, he was proud to announce that he kicked ICE out of Nassau County when he was county executive. He and Andrew Evilized Cuomo believed in this. New York State is the state that says we will not cooperate with ICE. They're a bunch of thugs. He politicized ICE. They're a bunch of thugs. We said we will sue them if they violate any criminal laws in the state of New York. So he was on board with Cuomo on that. And now he better denounce the DSA, which is behind this support Hamas group. Democratic Socialists of America, led by AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. If he does not denounce what they did yesterday, interfering with the democratic process in the hollowed grounds of the American Legion, a pox, a pox on Tom Swazi. And I'm telling you, Tom, you do not want to have Curtis Sliwa get out of this chair and spend the rest of my time, the February 13th, which is the anniversary of the Guardian Angels, our 45th, 
spending all my time in Suffolk County, in Nassau County, and Whitestone campaigning for Mozzie to become the congresswoman there. I'm at the verge of doing that. You had better denounce the DSA. You had better denounce what they did in that American Legion Hall. And you better denounce the fact that like Nazis, like Nazi brown shirts breaking up political meetings in Nazi Germany, they used exactly the same tactics. Waiting to hear from you, Tom.